Well, it's going to be fungus season. The fungus is among us, and we're going to be talking about fungicide treatments. Well, guess what? We're not talking about any old fungicide treatment. We're talking about what Matt Miles thinks the fungicide treatment he's going to use is, and he's going to Caleb Trial. Caleb Trial, one of our new affiliates, gave him some great advice, and I thought we should share it with you. We're talking about fungicides. We're talking about it here at Extreme Ag. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast where we cut your learning curve with insights you can apply immediately to your farming operation. This episode is presented by Loveland Products. When it comes to crop inputs, you need products that are field proven to deliver both results and value. For more than 50 years, Loveland Products has been providing farmers with high performance, value-driven product solutions designed to maximize productivity on every acre. Visit lovelandproducts.com to see how their innovative products can help you farm more profitably. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to Extreme Max Cutting the Curve. It's me, your host, Damian Mason. I got Caleb Trow. He is like the crop scouting, it's agronomistest guy you've ever seen in your entire life. This dude is like straight out of central casting when it comes to find me a southern gentleman who knows about crops and can talk about products. He's him. Okay, we're lucky to have him. Also, I've got Matt Miles, one of my favorites, of course, from the Delta region of Arkansas. This week, Matt sent out a text to the extreme ag crowd and said, I'm thinking about doing a fungicide treatment. And I think it just needs to be using some generics. Oh, yes. Sometimes you tune in here and we talk about the products from the companies that we do trials with. Well, he was actually looking about using a company's products. That's not one of our sponsors, just a cheap old fungicide. He says, what do you think? Should I do? What should I use? And you know what? Caleb gave great advice. Let's tell our listeners about this. So, Caleb, you got a question from Matt. Matt's going to give the audience the question, then you're going to answer it. Matt, what did you ask? Yeah, my question was, and, and, I, and I didn't go back to look to see exactly how I worded it, but my question was, waiting to brown seal, you know, did I need to run, could I run just a cheaper generic fungicide on my corn, or did I need to go ahead and run uh, the premium fungicide you know, because it's longer lasting. And, you know, I, we had talked about this earlier before the podcast, you know, I'm not a huge fungicide guy when it comes to corn. I can barely squeak out that ROI based on disease pressure, you know. So my thinking in my mind was, could I take a cheaper product and be able to do what I was going to do? And Caleb was able to come in there and tell me what they're doing, which enabled me to be able to make a decision all right so basically the question was put out there do i use a less expensive generic fungicide because i really don't have that much of a risk which is interesting to me he's in the delta region he calls it little vietnam because of the type of climate they have and somehow he didn't have a fungicide uh he didn't have a fungus problem whereas you know you'd think of that part of the world would be fungus all the time what's the deal caleb yeah, so one thing that I like to focus on is that ROI. If we have a year that we don't have a lot of disease pressure, we can certainly uh, think of backing down on our program a little bit. So that's why I kind of ask them, okay, what are your options and how much are we spending for each of those options? And I think the biggest takeaway that I would say is don't skip a fungicide because it's not like a weed or an insect, something that we can go out there in our field, scout for them, look at them. Okay, we got them. Let's put out a treatment. Good job. We did what we needed to do. Now, with fungicides, we have to be proactive because once we see something in the field, we're already too late. 
So it's really hard to, it, or it can be challenging to make these fungicide decisions because we have to go on past knowledge. We can't just go out there, look in the field and see what we have. So my recommendation was let's make sure we go out with something. If we do need to trim back, uh, we have a couple of different programs that we use here in this area, depending on our yield goals and our yield environments there as to do we want to go out with a cheaper product that still helps us to achieve good control of the diseases that we face or is it something where we do want to push the envelope with a more expensive fungicide well your advice to matt was and this is interesting you said go ahead and spend more money you're one of those guys that likes to spend other people's money my advice would have been, Matt, you already said that you almost don't even have a fungus issue because your corn gets in front of it and you don't have uh, aerial irrigation. And Caleb thinks that's one of the reasons. So if if it's less prone to fungus issues because of the infro irrigation and if it's less prone to fungus because you haven't had it because your corn gets sealed up before it's an issue, why even do it at all? He's saying go Cadillac. I'm saying go not. And you're asking what? Why did you do it at all? Why do I do it at all? <laughs> you know, I, I I guess because it's an insurance, okay? So when we're planting early, when we get our corn in early, uh, we we don't we outrun southern rust. Southern rust is our, our basically our only real concern is southern rust. Now I planted my corn in, in mid to late April before and and did a, a trial with two premiums and a, and a check and lost 20 bushels. So I know that there's a window there that that I have to put out fungicide. So what I've done in the past is I would do, you know, I've done checks before on my earlier corn and I'd put out four different companies' products and a check. And over 50, no, I wouldn't say over 50% of the time, 50% of the time, the check will be just as good. There will be zero positive ROI. Now, when we get into the later planning, then that becomes a negative. The check becomes a negative. So if I don't feel like, so I'm always going to put out some fungicide because I don't plant all my crop on the same day. So I know my later half planted crop is going to mandatorily get a fungicide. I start trying to change or, or, or look at the ROI on the earlier planted crop, you know, to see is it really worth doing it or not. There is a plant health uh, benefit, no question. Uh, it will give you more sustainability in the plant. Uh, we've got a dryer, so we're going to be harvesting this corn around at 24%. We've got ample amount of combines, so we're not ever going to be. That's another thing you have to plan. Are, is your corn going to be in the field longer? Is it going to cannibalize itself because it's getting down to 13% moisture? It's going to get. Uh, it's going to be a lot more susceptible to lodging, you know. So, so all those different factors come into the into my decision of whether i use a fungicide or not so i was going later and and i just you know i'm always thinking all the time could i take a cheaper product and do the same thing and you know caleb and i talked about that on, on you know on that text thread you're going to use a cheaper product use it early but always put your premium product to get lasting it's it's just like a scope for a rifle you know you can buy a premium scope and you can see 15 minutes after dark or you can buy one from the dollar store and, and and you'll see 15 minutes before dark. So you always get what you pay for, in my opinion, in most things, you know, when you're looking at like a premium fungicide versus a, a generic. So that was kind of the, what I was batting around is, can I take the generic 
which I already knew the answer to, and do what I want to do in place of a premium. And, and Caleb basically told me no. And by the way, if you've never been to the Miles Farms office in McGee, Arkansas, he's over here talking about scopes on rifles. One of his proudest things is he likes to tell everybody that he's shot big, beautiful deer with an arrow. He doesn't even need a scope. He just uses a bow and arrow. He's old school, man. All right, so Caleb, my question to you is you recommended go ahead to the, the the higher quality, the more expensive fungicide. My point is what how much difference can there be? I get Matt's point that, okay, it's like a higher end rifle scope versus a lower end rifle scope and all that. But does the low end stuff, is it that it doesn't work or it doesn't work as long or it doesn't work on as much stuff? Well, one of the issues that he was having, like you mentioned, was Southern Rust. And one of the products that he had mentioned on using one of the more premium products was the best product, the best fungicide that we have in terms of control of Southern Rust. It's very <laughs> effective and it gives us a long lasting residual. So the price difference in my mind was not large enough for us to back off to our generic products. The the premium product that he was talking about it was cheap enough that he wouldn't have to go out and spend a whole lot of bushels and he could have a really good product now if it's a year like we've had in the last couple of years where some of these premium fungicides they can break the bank sometimes i mean there's let's be honest about it so in those situations that's when we look hey can we make a product that's similar even if it involves taking a couple fungicides putting them together do a tank mix to still give us effective control but a lot cheaper so those are some of the kind of things that we think about but then in his situation the the roi from what i know of those products would be really good all right so what did you opt to do and have you done it yet matt well i haven't i'm just i'll, I'll do it next week We've been in so many storms the last few days, and I've got some products that I'm going to add. I'm going to add some products to that, you know, to that fungicide. I've learned through being part of Extreme Ag, uh, there's some there's some yield I'm leaving on the table, not just with the fungicide, but some other fertility products and products I can put out there to make a difference. So I've got to get those products in, and we'll 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 do it next week. But I will go with the premium fungicide, which is what I've done in the past. I was just looking for the easy button and was basically looking for somebody to tell me that I couldn't do it. <laughs> you you want an affirmation, um, you want a negative affirmation as opposed to positive affirmation. Okay, Caleb, is there a time when he can use the cheap stuff? Is Southern Rust the issue? Is it because the the what Southern Rust is or because of the longevity timing that he needs it for? Is it the is it the fungus or the time frame? I would say a little bit of both. I mean, we're dealing with a product that is very, very effective on Southern Rust. It, I, I really hate to say it gives us control all the way out to the end of the season, but it gets us really close. If it's something where, you know, a grower's just wanting to go out one time, that may be a situation where he would spend a little bit more money on one product versus maybe using a cheaper fungicide that could give us a little bit shorter time of control and then we would come back in later if we think we needed to. That's something that we think about here locally in terms of dry land corn production. Even right now, we don't know what our yield potential is because it's so dependent on the weather. So we aren't gonna go out and spend a whole bunch of money on a crop today when 
a week from now, the rain could shut off and we, we could not even harvest the field. So we put out a little bit, keep it healthy, keep it going these next couple of weeks and say, hey, if the yield potential looks really good, the weather is favorable, let's go out with a little bit something else in another few weeks. So that's one situation where we will use a, a cheaper product if we're just kind of taking each couple of weeks at a time. Or if it's a situation where our yield potential is is not as high as it is in other fields if we have limited irrigation, that would be another situation that we might opt to use a cheaper product. By the way, dear listener, uh, we uh, we had to stop and restart this recording because Caleb was coming to us from his truck in the field, and we kept having feedback that Matt said sounded like a chicken. So Caleb got out and is in a corner of a field somewhere in southern Georgia, and now we don't have chickens. We have songbirds. So anyway, we're bringing you information from the from the guys that are here in the in the trenches. Uh, so we apologize for various uh, bird noises. Anyway, let's go about this. How many treatments are you going to do? You usually just do one, Matt, on corn? Yeah, I just do one on corn. I, what's I just interesting is before we hit record, peanuts, Caleb does peanuts. And you said, good God, you got to throw like a fungicide treatment every other day at peanuts. So you're talking about two completely different mindsets. On peanuts, when you're hitting them every couple of days, do you use the cheap stuff then? There are a few special timings in peanuts when – we know that we our plants are under a lot of pressure from certain diseases. So certain applications, we will spend a little bit more money, but on the early applications and the applications there at the tail end, we will cheapen things up. And I'll say as far as deciding when to go out, it's easy on peanuts because we know we have to. We actually follow a, a time interval where we know every 14 to 15 days we're going out there in the field. So it kind of makes our decisions a little bit easier because we know it's just going to be standard practice for us. What about then uh, if, if he was going to do two treatments, if Matt decided this is late season, like he didn't get it out as early, he's not going to be at black layer early enough. Does he then switch to two cheaper treatments versus one premium treatment? Is that the recommendation that you would give if his, if the corn had been planted three weeks later? You could, or you could still go with your normal, we'll call it a little bit more expensive option up front. And then if you think you do need to come back, then that would be something where uh, we could opt for a cheaper fungicide, something to just kind of carry us through those last couple of weeks. So if you say, hey, I bought, you know, these generic products in bulk this is what i'm going to use then sure put it out and then come back a few weeks later again hey look, are you not listening this is matt miles the king of roi you're out here just nilly willy throwing chemical around he said i'm the king of roi i'm gonna go out there and treat it once only because i i really think maybe is is you don't get a beach house on the Gulf of Mexico by being nilly willy with your treatments man miles is miles farms doesn't just do that he wants to do one treatment right well, well, corn went up 25 cents today, so, hey, that makes us all want to go out there and, and give it a little extra TLC. Yeah, but Matt's not going to. You're still going to stick with one one treatment of the better stuff, whether it's 25 cent more corn or not, right? Well, yeah, and and what Caleb said earlier, you know, if I go out there with a cheap fungicide and then I get I get southern rust, just what he said, it's, it's you really waited too late, so... Yeah. 
you know, being able to guarantee this with a longer lasting control product, I'm looking at the longest lasting control product I can get to get it in the best timing for the most positive ROI. Now, I will say on some of our on some of this corn that we're really trying to push, we went with a cheap fungicide early, you know, pre-tassel, and then we're coming back with the with the brown silk, you know, silk application. Another thing with me, barring weather, tornadoes, wind, whatever, I'm hundred percent irrigated. So Caleb's got a really hard decision. Chad does, Temple does, you know, what do I do with my dryland acres versus my irrigated acres? You know, that's where you really got to stop and say, is there enough bang in the buck to put this premium out? Even if I get a little rust, you know, on the tail end, maybe I'm better off if I'm looking at a subpar crop because I didn't get the rain where I know it. I know I'm going to get a rain every week unless my wells go dry. Yeah. You know, Kevin's out there looking at a lot of dry land corn that, yeah, it looks good today. He's wet today, but 15 days from now, their soil's a lot like ours. We're always two weeks from a drought, no matter how much rain we get. So, you know, he's going to start seeing damage in two weeks if he don't get a rain from today. Yeah. So the, the decision, I guess, to wrap it up here, or Caleb, you can, you can help us start wrapping us up here is there's a, there's, there's a bunch of different answers and it's not based on this product is better than all the other products. You can use an inexpensive generic fungicide, but based on the things you said you don't know for sure what what things are going to look like why put too much money out there uh your risk factor isn't that much what if you're in a different climatological zone like if you're up here where i am you know we don't have southern rust i don't even know what, i don't know what that means but <laughs> we don't have that what what are we using you know you talk to a lot of people that do what you do caleb what's the difference geologic geographically yeah, so it really depends on your area when the diseases come in and which diseases that we're talking about. I mean, you get into tar spot country, and they they become just like us for southern rust. They got to hit it hard and, and be proactive. Where you get up into the you know the northern corn belt or the western corn belt, to where sometimes their later season applications, their tassel applications in corn may not give them the best ROI, and they've seen how and an earlier application, whether at herbicide timing or when the corn is around V12, yearly, five foot high, something like that, they've shown to give them a lot better ROI than a tassel application. So it's it's it can be geographically different. So you could just kind of have to know what diseases that you're facing, when they're coming in. And the number thing that number one thing that I would like to leave with is just the need to be proactive. We can put out a cheap fungicide a day before we need to, a day before a disease comes in, and we'll have a lot better ROI than waiting until we're a couple of days too late, and then we try to hit it with the most expensive product that we can find. It, we're not going to be able to uh, recoup that lost potential. Well, and that I, is an excellent, by the way, it, by the way, man, I'm going to point out that is an excellent, you can put out a generic, the cheapest fungicide on the market. The, if your timing is impeccable and boom, you can buy the Cadillac, the best stuff that's going, the best chemistry available. And if it's too late, you just screwed yourself. That is a very, very good takeaway. I'm going to write that up in the write-up. Sorry about that, Matt. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's fine. Caleb, explain to him or to the to the listeners, you're, you're tracking these diseases from south to north. So you've got a pretty good idea 
as these diseases are moving up into the, into other farms, correct? Right, and especially with southern rust, like we've mentioned over and over, that is the number one disease for us in south in the south with corn production. And one thing that sets southern rust different than other diseases is that it does not overwinter in previous year's crop residue. So it has to enter into the United States and move up through the United States every year. So since we know that's, that's the situation that we're facing, we can look basically into the future or for us down south and see where has Southern Rust been confirmed at. And then we know if we get a hurricane that's coming right through there and it's coming right up to us, well, we know what we're going to be facing in the, in the upcoming days. So that's what last week they just confirmed Southern Rust down in the Panhandle of Florida. So it is a call to action to us now here just a little bit north that we know in the next couple of weeks it's going to be here. So we need to be proactive. We're lining up the drones, the planes, whatever we need to do to get our corn protected because we know what the future is going to hold for us. Hey, Matt, we call this the episode factoring fungicide decisions. Since you're the math guy and you talk about ROI, et cetera, do you have a horror story? Because did you used to be, we use more fungicide now, the guys at Extreme Ag probably you did 20 years ago because it, it used to be more reactive back then than proactive. Am I right? Are you, you're asking me? Yeah. Were you, were you more Matt of a reactive 20 years ago? And then it became like, wait a minute, I can't afford uh, to have a loss. So I'm gonna go ahead and do the insurance policy, as you said. So do you have an ROI example for us? Well, I mean, you know, you're looking at somewhere, depending on the market of corn, just say average, if we're looking at corn at $5, you know, you're looking at somewhere to three to four bushels an acre just to pay for that fungicide. You know, that's not counting. If you're not putting anything else out there, you know, we're having to look at an airplane to do that. So you're looking at another bushel for that. Yep. So, you know, you're looking at about four bushels just to pay for the, the fungicide. I think 90% of the time, even with disease, maybe not completely present, we're going to get really close to at least paying for that application. We may not make any money out of it, but we'll flirt with paying for it, you know, but it's another risk, you know, putting out there. If I'm planting the first part of March, I'm probably not going to use a fungicide of any kind because I'm on a black layer before Southern rust gets here. Like Caleb said, you know, it don't overwinter here. It has to come here and we might not even get it this year, but I don't hope to have a fire at my house either, but I've got, I've got yeah, fire. Right, right. So you're of the camp that you're always going to use it. And you're probably in on this situation, always going to use the more expensive one. When have you justified not on corn? Do you, you justify using the less expensive stuff on other crops because there's going to be a second treatment. You think it buys you time. What do you look at there? I get more benefit out of a premium fungicide on, on R3 soybeans than I do any other crop in any other time. Now peanuts is a different story, but I, if for me not to spray a premium fungicide on R3 beans, I've had to really get very shallow money. So I think we'll I'll, I'll add to, I'll add to that too. That's the same thing that we see here that R3 applications so important and that's one of these situations where those premium products do pay now with the disease pressure that we have in this area we may stack on or we're probably already going across the field with something we got plenty of weeds and insects and other things that south georgia brings us 
but we may throw in a generic fungicide on the front end and the back end but the timing there on the soybeans like matt mentioned is really really important you've almost talked me out of generic low-priced fungicides with the exception of the the one treatment on peanuts and that's because you're hitting them five times and, or, and uh one time on soybeans really is that where is that the only place i'm using it well, I'll uh, be honest, and we're actually going to uh, be using a tank mix generic fungicide on corn this year. But one thing that I do want to mention, uh, something that also goes into this in our area that we found is the use of fungicides at planting like Zyway from FMC. I kind of look at it as a, a pre-emerge fungicide, like how we apply pre-emerge herbicides to help reduce our weed pressure throughout the season. And it gives us a little bit of peace of mind if we aren't able to be right on time with our post-emergence applications. So something that we found is areas and fields that we've treated with fungicide at planting time with Zyway, we're able to relax just a little bit, maybe use a cheaper product there. We don't have to be as been on our timing because we know we've at least got some level of control already there in the plant. Yeah, Matt, did you use the Zyway? Because the idea there was you get you get fungicide prevent protection from the very time of planting. So then you can all of a sudden cheapen up your down downstream uh, uh, application. Is that the idea? Yeah, that that's he's right. And 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 what Caleb said, you know, what what we seen, we planted those February beans last year. And, and I have to give Temple credit for this because I wasn't going to do it. And at the last minute, he said, man, you need to do this. We actually put a fungicide in furrow because when we're planting really cold conditions, that seed may lay there. Those beans sit there in February till for 30 days. And we were actually building a factory under the ground and, and we'd dig those up, you know, thinking there's no way they're going to come up. And, and that plant was producing underground even before it emerged. So there's something to that. I can't tell you the ROI. Uh, but I can tell you that it opened my eyes to to, to looking at it again. I thought the re, the dual the rule was you weren't supposed to put Zyway in furrow. No, I, we're, I'm just I'm talking about a different product. Zyway, yeah, I, I put Zyway in furrow and that didn't work out real good for me. Right, it needs um, to be two i two. He's By going the way, to we do have some more uh, stuff we're doing with uh, FMC. We're doing Adastrio, which is their new fungicide. We've got some uh, some trials going on and some experimentations. We'll keep you posted about that. Get me out of here, Caleb. Matt looked you up for negative confirmation, meaning it was like that thing. Hey, I'm just putting it out there. Uh, should I start heroin? And you said, no, 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 no. Don't take up heroin. You know, he said, should I use cheap fungicide? And you talked him off the ledge. You helped. He wanted to be cheap and you wouldn't let him. And you're saving him money. You're making him money by not saving him money on the application. Get me out of here. What What else do you What else do you want to recommend? Your last recommendation for fungicide? Yeah, remember, it's a program approach. Fungicide helps us not only keep our plants disease free, but also helps in terms of stress mitigation with uh, certain fungicides there really part of a program approach. So depending on what your area is like, what your climate is like, what your disease pressure is like, work with agronomists and trusted growers in your area to see uh, which products and timings have the best ROI. Because as, as much as I like going out there and keeping a plant 100% healthy and disease-free, it's that ROI at the end of the day that we do need to consider. What about heroin then? Do you have a recommendation on heroin if I wanted to start a heroin uh, habit? 
Unfortunately, I have nothing for you on that. <laughs> You're more politically correct than me and Matt. We joke about stuff like this all the time. Hey, I want to remind you, if you want to stand up to weather-induced crop stress, Caleb just talked about crop stress. What if you turn to Terramar? It's an innovative biostimulant technology from Loveland Products designed to help your corn and soybean crops thrive even under stressful conditions. Try Terramar, exclusively available from Nutrient Ag Solutions. That's the stuff that I think has seaweed in it. And we've got some cool stuff going on with Terramar uh, uh, research too. So stay tuned for all that. Matt Miles, um, I want you to tell us always about your return on investment as you always do. Uh, one of the founders of Extreme Ag. You got anything to contribute here on the fungicide discussion, factoring fungicide decisions? Well, I mean, like I told you earlier, you get what you pay for most of the time. I think that's a really interesting thing. Uh, and we, we tell people that. Speaking of paying for it, if you want to take your Extreme Ag relationship to the next level, if you're watching this and learning, you can become a paying member. It's only 750 bucks a year and you'll get access to people like Matt and Caleb. You'll have webinars that are available once a month, first Thursday of every month, just for members. Also, some other cool offerings. And so you can go to extremeag.farm to see that and, and check out whether you want to be a member. But otherwise, while you're at extremeag.farm, Literally hundreds of videos like this, hundreds of podcasts that I've created with these guys, and it's all there for free for you to learn from. So extremeag.farm. His name is Matt Miles. His name is Caleb Traw. Thanks for being here, Caleb. Thanks for stepping out from the field to talk to us. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Birds and all. All right. Till next time, this is Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. But there is plenty more available by visiting extremeag.farm. For over 50 years, farmers have turned to the proven lineup of crop inputs offered by Loveland Products. From seed treatments, plant nutrition, adjuvant, and crop protection products, Loveland has the complete lineup to keep your farming operation productive and, most importantly, profitable. Check out lovelandproducts.com to learn more.